Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspired podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Welcome family to Talk Truth. And on this episode, we feature a friend of mine by the name of Quinton Yerd. He is a father, teacher, performer, and entrepreneur. And in this episode, we speak about his journey with prostate cancer. Check it out. All right, guys, welcome to Talk Truth. And I have with me a very special friend, someone I've known for a long time. And I'm really happy that he reached out to me to have this conversation. And uh, we're going to be talking about his journey with prostate cancer. And he can correct me later to say if it's still with or past tense, present tense, or whatever state he's in now. But uh, welcome, Quinton Yard. Quinton, please tell us about yourself. Okay. Thank you so much, Mario. And um, thank you for having me on your podcast, Talk yeah. Truth. My very first time doing something like this. So, Oh, yeah? Yes. Thank you a lot for this opportunity. So I'm Quinton Yard. I I'm just a dad. <laughs> That's I'm who you are, a dad. A dad. Yeah. <laughs> You're way more than I, a dad, Quinton. I, yeah, but you know, when you kinda get to this stage, you realize a lot of those labels and stuff. Yeah. I teach, I am a performer, I I'm a builder, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm, I'm in so many things. I'm 50, so I've done a, some stuff. We had a few decades know. in there. Yeah, I've done a lot of stuff, and um, I, I, I choose that because I think that is, is critical right now, fathering, fathering, passing on to sons, Right, being a brother for others, right. And I think I, I just want to, to use that as my motif, if you like, yeah, for, for, for what we, we're trying to do today, yeah, for this conversation. Yeah, man, I think um, so. Tell me a bit about Quinton as a child. Tell where did you grow up? I grew up in Fort Moore, you know, Fort Moore. I grew mm-hmm. up in Fort Moore when Fort Moore still had cane fields. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't even know that, right? I don't even know that. I don't even know yeah, that. Right? Yeah, I can tell you something. The ferry had a gas station on it, and they put in a gas station back on it. No, there was okay. a gas station in the middle. You know, so when I used to go to ferry, it's it's interesting because I say to my I say to myself, my son will never know what ferry used to look like. Right, right, and right. Generations of Jamaicans will never know what the causeway looked like. And how do we how do we know? Like. Had we known how it would have changed, we would have captured it more, but you just never know, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I grew up in uh, Portmore. Summers I would spend in a place called Above Rocks, where my mother is from. And I went to school as a child in Borobank. You ever hear about that place there? Where Borobank is now? Borobank is by Bellevue. Bellevue, okay. It's a place that nobody wants to go now because violence has ravaged it and all of that and all of that. 
Please, oh, from Dunkirk. Spraga is from Dunkirk. Spraga is Dunkirk. Spraga. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, man. And then mm-hmm. they used to have Arrows Studios used to be down there. So. All right. Yeah. 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 You know? And then they had this fabulous theater at Bellevue one time that Freddie Hicklin used to control and Sistrin used to perform there. There's this fantastic play that Third World did the score for that they performed at Bellevue. You know? Yeah. In the history of of that place is just but that's another story that's another right story. I, i know i know i can i know i can have a podcast with you about your jamaican past right yeah but um, then, no i wanted to point out that my childhood was shaped by my grandmother yeah who was the teacher in dunkirk so she okay. would teach the whole community and then we used to call her teacher grandma and then we thought to call the one in country country grandma <laughs> so that's so my childhood inspired the teacher in you currently. perhaps perhaps up, yeah? so we we all went to school till we were six till we went to primary school with my grandmother yeah you know the four of us and then our cousins which was another four and then other cousins so that house would always be full you know so so grandma. so big big family um yeah. Yeah. and and of course always have some strong women in in these big families yeah and then what would you say your teen to early kind of tertiary education years were like what kind of stuff were you doing so so we're going to focus on the medical part i okay. had a brain tumor at 14 wow <laughs> i think i knew this but i forgot it was and it was a benign tumor right yes 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 tumor okay. of the cerebellum i went to jesse repaul and i was the first graduate of jesuit paul to go to campion college okay so i mean that's history that's big that's a big deal listen, listen, i think yeah. a, a plaque needs to be put up at jesse and a plaque needs to be put up at campion as well because so, when i went to campion years after it was the, the the feeling was that it was only peter and paul and mona prep that came to campion pretty much for the majority So that's yeah. a big deal, yeah. Until nowadays, things have changed. Yeah, well, because when I went, when I would look at the thing now, the amount of Jesse Ripoll kids who would pass, and primary school kids, because yeah. when I went to Campion, primary school children were minority. Now minority. that has changed. Yeah, yeah. thanks you to know, Jesse. And Mona. And Mona. But yeah. now mm-hmm. you're going to see Jesse. Yeah, man. You see many other primary schools going to campion so i'm glad that has leveled out come on so so that was something that was kind of cool and then my brain tumor at 14 how did you discover that tumor you had problems with hormones um, yeah <laughs> can i tell you the story we have a lot mm-hmm. of time though <laughs> um <ooh. laughs> um i was ill for months and i was seeing a doctor he was recently graduated in portmore and he couldn't figure it out mm-hmm. and um my family doctor was hudson phillips may he rest in peace he just passed and um my dad we went up to country grandma and usually when i go to country i can carry a bunch of banana i can carry a crocus bag of coconut or whatever but this time i couldn't carry a bunch of banana i kept tumbling over and it's country that is um you're going cross river you're going cross bridge you're going go up steep hill you're going go in a valley you know take you about 20 okay. yeah man take you about 20 minutes from the road to grandma 20 25 minutes you know, mm-hmm. you know. and my dad took the thing and he said to mom today um babe you know you, you know can't go hudson yet <laughs> 
African gods, none say yes. And this is months now of um, scholars read this test, that test. Went to Hudson Phillips, I'll never forget it. Hudson, and I tell him what is going on. And he's like, so you, oh, you take so long to come to me. <clears throat> and then he says, ah, and then he says, um, walk. He opened this door and he says, walk, walk down on that line. I walked on the line and I couldn't. He says, hold out your hands to walk, you know. Right, and you couldn't balance, right? Couldn't. You couldn't keep it. And then he does him. And then he says, sit outside. And he said, come, mommy, let me talk to you. And then he opened the door and said, come, in, come inside. And he says, I'm sending you to Professor Cross. I believe you have a brain tumor. However, I'm sending you to Professor Cross. Who I'm guessing was an either he was neurologist the, or a, He um, was the professor of neurology at right. UA at the time. I think mm. he was pioneer. Right. That is somebody you should do uh, talk through. I um, know, right? Yes. He, I mean, Hudson, because that time, yeah? yeah? I'm talking about Mario, you know. CAT scan wasn't in Jamaica then, you know? Yeah, no, I was going to say that. Um, and, and even though I'm a doctor, I can, because my father is as well as a generation where clinical... Thank you. Thank you. Skills and just general broad base of knowledge, they were sharp <laughs> and still remain house. sharp. That's real house. Yeah, yeah, real house. <laughs> real house. House is fake, but that's... They were the doctor, yes, in the into, the, into the desert and them just put them hand on people and they know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, where you about them? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> he sent me to Professor Cross and... Um, Fortunately, at the time, my parents both had medical insurance. CAT scan, though common in the world, had just reached to Jamaica, was not installed at UE yet. So right. the surgery at that time, would they would have ringed my right. and then do exploratory surgery to see exactly where it is, sew it up back, make you wait a couple of weeks, then go back in and take out the, the tumor. My parents fortunately had insurance. The insurance, we were able to go to Miami and get a CAT scan done in Miami, which identified it in the cerebellum, which is right around the nape of the neck, right? Okay. So the, and that's significant because when we start talking about the prostate cancer, you're going to see the significance of insurance again. Right. So the, I came home and I pretty much had a, <laughs> Well, put it this way, when they did a, the, the shunt first, the plan was to do a surgery this week, one next week, and one the other week. So they'd go in, put in a shunt week one, which would remove the fluid that the tumor was secreting from the brain and pass it through your system. Right. Then, so anyway, the, tumor, the tumor was actually blocking causing the build apparently, uh, apparently it was because i mean you're 14 and all they're saying is that listen we're going to put in a shunt that's going to take out the fluid that the tumor Prepare is for surgery for surgery and then the following week we're going to take out the um the tumor and then the week after we're going to take out back the shunt that's a lot yeah mario you see when the man them put in the shunt i think i lasted a day and then i started the pressure started building in my head so Professor Cross now had to make a decision because he's saying, okay, I didn't want to do two surgeries on him so quickly. Right. So what they had to do now was stabilize me 
that one day. And he said, if he doesn't stabilize, I'm going to have to drill him, drill to relieve the pressure. The success rate with that kind of surgery, I think my dad said was like 20 something percent. It wasn't at that time, great. Right? At that time. It wasn't great, but it wasn't that But You know, yeah. luckily enough, I stabilized and um, they were able to do the, the surgery. So I did two surgeries in that week. And um, I came out of the hospital in three weeks, you know, Mario. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I came out. I came out. You were quite a resilient, resilient young man. <laughs> and I mean, and the thing about that was when I was there, my approach to the whole episode was you couldn't come around me if you were sad. And um, so it was about humor. It was about positivity. You know, so, I mean, one of the classic stories I tell people is that when they do that little thing where the nurses interview you and stuff, and they said to my dad, how is he eating? And my dad, you know, he says, well, nurse, just don't feed him brown soap on kerosene oil. <laughs> and any 14-year-old would understand that. Right. You know? Any 14, because that time you, you know, but at the, oh dear, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> so, um... After we did that, I I didn't I lost a term at Campion, you know. Yeah. And then I still did my CXCs and was successful. And then I went to UE. Yeah. And then I started in Dramatic Art Society. Dramatic Art Society at the time was let's say a little dormant. But my dad used to tell me about Dramatic Art Society because when he was at cast, he was a member. And then my father had linked up with Carol Dawes, who was the first female principal of what is now the School of Drama. And then she was also acting head drama tutor at Creative Arts Center. So he had told me this history about Dramatic Art Society. So I went and joined Drama Society and they hadn't done a major production. They would do, I mean, I said, well, and they, but, huh? So. That was where your passion for performing started. Yeah, listen, I had not, other than like a, what, a, um, church pageant or a school pageant, I had not walked the board. Though I had seen my dad in plays, directing plays, performing in plays from childhood. Anyway, we we tried to revise things. Then my sister joined, and we started a, a committed set of us started, and we wanted to do a production. So we got my dad, and I said, "Daddy, Ingrid and I have joined this thing. You know, you, we need a director. What you saying?" And he was like, "All right, I have this play. You know, you find out from your friends. You know." So I told him who my dad was, and we did the marriage of Anansiwa, which was by F. O. to T. Sutherland. And who was here at the time? I soon tell you. He died. Bajan. Hmm. Arrivance. Kamau. Oh, Brathway. So, so when Kamau came and saw it, he was like, I'm going to call FO and tell her that they're doing your play here. And first night, not many. Second night. Third night, there's cock. The following hmm. week, cock. So I said, Word. what? What things are going on? We revamped Talawa. I mean, Talawa started hot again. I, mean, I, went, I went several years after 
and one of the most fulfilling moments was seeing the judges sheet that I designed still be <laughs> right silence again you know, know right? they don't have this thing you know so I was like wow look at that that's and what you then, refer to as that you refer to as the silence that's a part of the silence that's a part of silence the that things that exist that is a type of silence so exist that others may not know about don't know and then right. after that we did Death on the King's Horseman which my dad had done many years previously to great critical acclaim because my dad had ended up being the artistic director for Jamaica's first national theater company. It was called the NFTJ, the National Festival Theater of Jamaica. It was based at the School of Drama and it was headed by Carol Dawes. But Carol Dawes left Jamaica and went to Nigeria. And my dad took it over and they existed for about 12 years now. So the when, whole of that theater here, there, you know, when you had that company, you had quite a few others. When plays would happen in Jamaica, the only day a play would happen in Jamaica is Blue Monday. Right. Why do they call it Blue Monday? Blue Monday because no play not happening. No play, right. So there's a Blue Monday. <laughs> That's why they call it Blue Monday, right. That's why they call it Blue Monday. I'm pulling you up because I want us to get to the actual meet. Um, so after that brain tumor at 14, that you... Yep. Recovered from fully and clearly, clearly um, did well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have any other medical um, things happening, illnesses, accidents, anything of medical significance between then and now? I would say that at all. I think other than you get old and your joints start hurt you. <laughs> right. right. You, your family history has um, prostate cancer within it. Are there other men in the family? I know, when I was abroad studying, because really, I need to say this, I ended up going to drama school in England. Okay, right. So that was, you know, sort of drama thing. And then that came... Was on the, that was an undergraduate thing? Undergraduate? In England, they have a different system. At that time, you went to artisan schools, eh? Okay. It's a three-year program, mm -hmm. and you get training to then become a professional actor. So... When I did that, I came back and taught for a year at Edna Manley. And then I left and went to New York. And then I came back home and um, started teaching at Portmore Community College. But then, by then, I had done quite a bit of theater here and there, you know. And then I came home. And the only thing I think medically was my knees. But in that time, I had gotten a call from my dad. I was abroad at the time. And he said, oh, I have prostate cancer. And I was like, what? And, you know, it was weird because I remembered when I was ill with my tumor, the support of my parents was, I mean, was wow. And I was there saying what was hard for me was I would not, I wasn't home so that I could go to the hospital and kind of reciprocate, right, reciprocate some of the stuff that he did when I was in hospital. Right. How, how old was he at that time? He was like 60-something. 60s. 60s. Right, yeah. yeah, because that is 70-something now, and he is like probably 15 years prostate cancer-free or cancer-free. Right. Yeah, so... So I never he, really so he was the first person that in right. the family. And I that... knew 
that I knew, knew of. That you know? so I, don't know, I don't know if his uncle had it. I don't know, you know, and that is part of the silence. Right, that you don't know if they were men before. There you go. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's now I'm thinking back and I remember my grandmother, the teacher one, she didn't smoke. But if I remember correctly, I think she ended up with food cancer, you know? Wow. And you don't have to smoke to get it. But, but, no, yeah. so, no, but you see. But, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Cancers, cancers in families, right? And lean, right, right, right. It's and it's genetic. hard to get that connection. getting breast cancer. With one, one of your sisters. sisters. One yeah. of my sisters ended up having to do a double mastectomy. And at uh, what age was she diagnosed, if you remember? She and I are the same age. That's the joke. So she started her cancer journey maybe three years before me, before I even was aware of whatever. So it's now it's kind of making sense that you kind of need to know your family health history. Right. You have to be the exact same cancer, but just the presence of cancers in a family line is interesting. And I don't even think science can even totally make you all go. the connection. And that's, that's, there you go. that's there silence. You go. That's the unknown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so it's, it's about, it's like the term I like to use is awareness. It's like I was talking to another prostate cancer journeyman and he said to me, you know why I never did surgery and I did radiation? Because he says in my family, everybody who has gone into hospital and done surgery has died. That's not science, you know. That's experience. That, thank you. And I'm saying... I, I like a prostate cancer journey, man. That's yeah. an interesting term. Yeah. You see, I, there was a... You meet a lot of people. And when I was going through radiation... Wait, uh, I don't want to take me there, Quinton. I want to take me to the start. beginning. No, no, this is, this is no, a good segue start. into the start of your right. journey. So I want to know uh-huh. what was the very first thing that made you clue in that something was wrong. I had a fluctuating TSA. But you are now 50 currently, right? Right now yeah. in this moment. Right. And what year, what, how old were you at the time I that you identified? When Two years ago. Were you doing a routine, um, what do you call it, exec medical? That, well, it's not routine exec medical. What I will say to all young men, if you have cancer in your family, the recommendation is... Um, is um I believe 40. 40. Well, 40. 40 if it's in the family, right? If it's in the right. family, yes. I'm going to say to men, you know what? If there's cancer in your family, go before. This is why I say it. I know a young man who never did his test at 40. And when he finally did it at 44, he had stage four cancer. And and I'm, I'm going to interrupt you. When we say test here now, so this is interesting medically. So yeah. We know that there are two parts of this test. There's a blood test, PSA, and there's the digital rectal exam. Or, right, you know, right. The, Even so, so. Are we um, talking about someone doing a blood test? or, or I'm rectal? always talking about blood tests first because you don't do the DRE unless... Right, you start, it, right, you start screening. So what happened with the DRE was I was doing it from when I was 40. Right. Based so, on your knowledge of your dad's cancer. Well, I, are you just I, I, I am just medically... LCD. Yeah. yeah, I am not one of those guys that, oh, I'm not going to the doctor because if you go to the doctor, you're going to dead. And the doctor, when you go to the doctor, that is problems. I have friends who say that and say, listen to me, I, when I go to the doctor, there's problem and find all kind of thing wrong. And I right. don't want to know. Right. I wasn't that person, especially because of my experience earlier where getting the right diagnosis is important. My approach to medical care is a little right. different. Right. So right. I was going from I was 40 
And when we got there at 48, we could we had the benefit of my PSA results from 40. Right, to compare them. So we, we, we know you would have had normal, 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 so, then wow. So when they were seeing these jumps, and then it was three PSA tests I did, right? So it was at this, I did a second one, it go down, I did a third one, it go up. The man said, well, and they wait, 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 what going here? So then he says, you know what? Let's do an MRI. I do this MRI, nothing shows up, nothing. They've been doing DREs, nothing. Right, right. He says, okay, biopsy. Biopsy now. You have prostate cancer. Interestingly, it was in only a third of my prostate. Right? Right. And clearly not so, the area, clearly not the section that a finger could touch. And also probably not big enough for a finger to touch. So That's my you guess. Me? Right. So that is, <laughs> So the, the the thing now was, doctor says, okay, what do you want to do? Go and do the literature. I'm going to give you three weeks, two weeks or three weeks. I don't remember. I'm going to give you some time to go think about the process it. Right. Yeah. So you go home and you start doing your reading. That's where silence come in. I was fortunate because once I told my dad, my dad said, all right, bam, 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 bam. As I was going through the journey, my dad could tell me, say, listen, when you do the biopsy, this is what you need to do because this is what's going to happen. Right. The doctor doesn't necessarily tell you what happens after you do a biopsy. Right, 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 right. Not immediately okay. at that time. Right? No. He, listen, he does the biopsy. He tells you from his end. Right, right. And not from your doctor. end. Right. And probably it's the doctor has never ever end. had it done anyway. So, if right. he hasn't <laughs> had it done, it's he not in his Right, it's not in his. Yeah, he's not in tell his you say, he'll say, yeah, you're gonna see some blood in your urine for a few minutes. Right, right, it right. Might go for a couple of days, which is really important if you've never seen blood in urine. <laughs> I'm dead now. <laughs> dead now. Dead for two weeks, lad. Jesus, the man killed me. <laughs> yeah. So my daddy said, listen, you know, yo, when you go have sex after, this is what you have to do. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So my dad would give me all of this stuff. He would give me all of this information. And then, you know, when I realized how pervasive this silence is, but you see, I go and jump the story. Yeah. But I don't want to jump the story. I go and Should I make you jump it? No, I right, well, we'll probably get there. Because what happens is that it's after men start to talk or after I... I made public my diagnosis and treatment, and, and I didn't really make public my diagnosis. What I made public was my treatment. Which you did and, on social media? And I did on, Facebook. I did in WhatsApp, WhatsApp groups. Yeah, right, right. And I think I put it on social media too, you know. I think right. I put it on Facebook. But what happened was, you see, let's, let's do it in chronological order. Yeah. So um, we... You read the literature and you were to decide on what type of treatment you think decide. you wanted to have based so, on options. I had a, and this is important, I had a support team. It wasn't everybody, but it was the persons who I felt were needed at that time on my team. Mm -hmm. I needed persons to support my wife. Right. I needed persons to support my son. Yeah. I needed persons to support my my mother. Yeah. Right. My in-laws. We're a 
close family. So I remember telling one of my brother-in-laws, um, I told them all, when I heard I called them, and they, they say I'm just horrible for that. I called them up on the phone and said, yeah, man, you know, say me a prostate cancer do. Yeah, and they're like, what's wrong with, what's wrong with you? <laughs> no, hold on, Mario, they're not even talking. Right, 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 right. One of them was driving to Mobile, and my wife is like, you know, you know, you know, for that, because you know him we crash. Right. But I'm assuming that, I know you never said that you got people in order to support you, but I'm guessing all these people always support you, so they are already supporting you. So, so, so here is how it works, Mario. My wife, I mean, this was, yeah. And she was like, Quinton, I don't understand. Why are you so calm? I said, well, this isn't my first rodeo. Right, right, right. She was kind of how I found out, but she never really said what was wrong at the time. Right. It's funny. Yeah. I, she, right. she said, well, no, we were involved in something work-related. And she right. said, she yeah. said to me, you know, Mario, I have a lot going on. That was exactly what she said. <laughs> and, and, and I think it was because I was trying to contact her to ask her something. And mm-hmm. I think she was just, she took long to respond. And she said, boy, you know, I just have a lot of stuff going on. And and she didn't really tell me what. And I think that was around the time when you probably right. were being right, supported, right? Right. 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 Well, just surgery time, I think. Yeah. Right. Or and I mean, recovery. Hurt, yeah. But so it was. So. So you decided I mean, to do surgery. And that's a very interesting thing, you see, because recently in the public sphere, and even with um, what's happening in America, no. Right. What happens when somebody is ill? Who do you tell? Why do you tell? Why do you tell them? And should you tell them? Culture is we don't tell. Yeah. It's almost as if, oh, you're sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are less now. And you don't really make a choice in being ill. So what happened was I, I got that inner team to support everything that was happening. Yeah. And then we proceeded with the surgery. I chose surgery because I didn't want, but I discovered that after the radiation, the thing really, it's its really just there. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't function the way it used to. It doesn't function anything like that. And with my, when I was 14, my, my view, I can't remember how that went, but I wanted it out. Yeah. And it was the same approach. And you're going to realize why that was the better decision for me. Now, saying that, there are other persons who that might not have been there. They're, they're, and, they're, and, and that ooh, is what yeah. I said to people. Cancer is like DNA. What I have discovered is that every person's cancer is different. Yeah, but me and you have prostate cancer. But a two-week prostate cancer, different. So the treatment, the line of treatment and the regime will be different as well. Everything will be made in medicine, right? It's a bit different. However, you see, when we get in that space and we start to share experiences, right? that's how we learn because we get perspective. You get awareness all from experiential information most of the time. I will go on that because that was most profound when I had to do radiation. But so... I just want to point out that sometimes people do not share. Yeah. Right? Because our culture is not one way we share. But Mario, think about it. When we were growing up, all of those men who were driving who couldn't hold their urine. Yeah, who knows? Is it, who is knows? it possible 
that these men were having prostate issues and were unaware? Absolutely. And, and, and not only were they unaware, they refused to go and even get checked and tested. So, so that was part of their unawareness was personally that they wouldn't go. And then and they, they get Wilson. Wilson. That thing. And you're like, what is how them can't walk? Or when they pee and you see them have to take an hour. Right. Or the dribbling or whatever they were going through. Yeah. You understand? Right, and I'm right. saying. We can't stay there. We don't have to we go through that. We why, why we must go through that? For what? Right. Right. Why? And just to create a little context for the for the viewers and listeners, um, at 48, you would have been married now and have one child, right? And he was, at the time, five. Five, five years old. And he wouldn't have a grasp of what's going on, really. Apart from the fact that kids are amazing at sensing everything, so they know things are going on, but sometimes that, they're not sure. That was interesting because we told his close friends at school's parents, and right. we told like the teacher, we said, um, this is happening. We just tell him that daddy's taking care of something. Um cause we didn't give him details, cause we're saying, you know? Yeah. But it's Mario, this child, he knew my appointments. He would say, Where are you going? I'm just going to the doctor for a test. Okay. And it's like he knew my appointments. So what I did, my approach, because he's male right. and he's in the crosshairs, I let him see everything. So when daddy came home with catheter, he called it alien pee. Daddy, what's that? <laughs> I said, he said, ooh, is that alien pee? And you alien know, pee comes a, to the tube. And he probably listen, had blood in it at first too. Listen, blood, blood, listen, blood, listen, blood, urine listen. in the beginning. Listen. Quentin, I want to know something. Give us a little perspective on what type of tumor it was and how aggressive it was. So were you in so, a very treatable stage? So here is the thing now. Based on my histology report of the biopsy, yeah. they're saying you have more than likely prostate cancer, very treatable because based on what we're seeing, it's probably just in the prostate. Right, 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 which is great. Okay, it, it, that's what it said, right, right. And it was, so early. it was 3, 4, which is good too. Right. They said, you know. What does the 3, 4 refer to for the for the? So you can have 4, 3 and 3, 4. And research says that 4, 3 usually is the more aggressive type. But you had 3, 4. But I had 3, 4. So that looked good enough. Remember, you know, I had an MRI that said I never had cancer. You know? Right. And now you have a biopsy. <laughs> you have... There you go. Yeah. Mm. We've right. hopped there quickly. <laughs> so when the guys... I made the decision to do the surgery. When you do the surgery, they not only take out your prostate, they also take out your seminal vesicles, and then they test it. And those so, are what produce your semen. Semen. There you go. Doc is here. Doc can tell you all Very about important it. Very important when you ejaculate right? or come. <laughs> yes. So what you have to do now, if you have any interest in having kids, you have to go and stir some, store some sperm. Store sperm and freeze them and get them kept to in vitro. Right. Lord. Then, this part important, part too. <laughs> yeah, because let me tell you, when I did that, that day was a little rough. 
that but thankfully you have one child already so at least you have yeah, one out. yeah yeah but then if you yeah. want 20 you, you, know? for this. you didn't want yeah, 20 it's a long for marriage and you, know? you didn't want 20 you know it can be problematic, problematic you know? right and i mean i i can talk about it now but at going time. through those days and each day you're doing something different and you know my wife would do a lot of things with me but I think that day she wasn't there. My wife pretty much did everything with me. That's kind of like how we did it. You know, that's how we did the pregnancy. That's how we did this. I mean, I remember the day I was doing the biopsy. She had to go out of town and she was so cross because she was like, no, nah, I need, no, nah, I, I listen, I, yeah. right, she was right, like, you know, and um, when they did the histology, yeah, when they did the histology, the cancer had actually spread to one of my vesicles. Mm. So here is the joke now. If you did, if I didn't take it out, I wouldn't know this. And there is a possibility that the radiation may or may not have fully. fully but what I, what I understand with radiation, however, when they're going to do the prostate bed, right, they would do all areas so i'm thinking they would have also done your seminal vessel we were thinking so as well. well right but i'm not sure but right. based on the discussion i had because after i did surgery i had to do our my doctor decided to be very aggressive with my treatment based on the fact that my dad had it and some things that were coming up as well he tried. He just said, "I'm going to be aggressive," because usually men have the surgery, and then a couple of years after, when their prostate scores get up to probably two, they right. do radiation. Right. Usually, you do it, and you don't have to do radiation after, you know. But if it go, if your prostate starts to go up, and it reaches like 1.6, you know, they're going to do radiation because what happens is. There, the surgery might not remove all the cancer cells because what can what the radiation does is fight the cancer at the molecular level, right. at the and cell level. The surgery would get out the bulk of of it, yeah, which is also cellular. But I know what you mean. It will take, yeah, get rid of whatever is left behind. Is the is the aim? Is it right? So like them cut your, they, they, you know, you cut your finger. There is some skin left, and maybe there may be some cancer cells in the cells. Right, right, right. Yeah, you can't see that. And you that can be get big again in a little while. So we want to yeah, get them out. Mm -hmm. You want to get them out. Cool. So when they said that, they said, all right, Quinton, you have what we call 3B. And the standard treatment for that is after surgery, radiation. No problem. So here is where the silence come in now. I did the surgery the Thursday. I had an A-class team. I was fortunate. I was seeing a urologist first, and then he said, you know, I'm not going to do your surgery. I'm going to let another colleague do the surgery, and I'm going to be the second. Now, I never thought anything of that, right? When I went to sign up my insurance, the lady says, um, you know your doctor's name? So I said it. And she said, who is the second? And I said it. And she said, he doesn't do seconds. I said, what do you mean? She says, he's usually a first. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I don't know. This is what, so what it is. So right? yeah. Mario, my surgery was scheduled for four hours. I think it went to six something. And 
we did it at UWE. My wife is in the waiting room. My family is there with her, supporting her. And um, the surgery is taking a little long. Yeah. I don't know how that go. Yeah, when, when you're on the other end of that. Mm-hmm. And then I, well, I remember when I went and got signed in, people said, but, oh, oh yes, I relaxed. I said, well, I am going to do everything that I can do. Is the surgeon going to femur right now? The nurse, right, I, I right. can't do I can only do what I can do. And right. that's my approach. I can only do what I can do. And I'm going to try and do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to try and do it to the best of my ability. So we did the surgery and about the Sunday I laid in bed and a voice was in my head saying, I need you to testify about this. I'm like, what? It was Father's Day, Mario. And my doctor had come and seen me and I laid on that bed and I typed a note. And the note simply, I was in two WhatsApp groups. One was a swimming club, one was for the community where I live. And I said, um, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. And I said, fathers, it is important that you get your prostate test done, especially if you're over 40. It's a simple blood test and any GP can recommend it. Why do I say this? Because I say it's Father's Day. And last Thursday, I had a radical prostatectomy done. Um, the doctor says the surgery went well. I should recover well. But on this Father's Day, I would like the fathers, and the mothers, the sisters, you know, to say to their meal, colleagues, friends, family, that they should get tested because prostate cancer is the largest cancer killer in Jamaica. And that's not the case in other countries. Mario. Which is interesting. Prostate cancer only killing who? Men. Women or men? Men, yeah. Okay. I was talking to another doctor friend of ours and he says when he was at med school and they used to do um what they do when you cut up the bodies the autopsy thank you my brother yes and he says the person comes in for sugar yeah but dead from sugar but you see when you do the autopsy i know sugar kill him my father tell me this all the time full blown cancer start from the prostate and all over the place yeah yeah, yeah. So, so even in even in the right, even in the, the bodies that are dead, you find disease, which means that it's just missed. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much right. And you see, when I heard that Mario, tears came to my eyes because this thing is preventable. So right, you see all this argument, no one wanna put my finger up on it. I'm like, Yeah, yeah. Your yeah, PTs yeah. is bigger than a finger. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hello. I yeah, said, you're... take a blood test. It's just a blood test. It's just a blood test. Well, and I know that. that. Yeah. It's not if, you know. It is when. Yeah, you just have to do it. You don't have to, but you should. But, um, all right. I, I would say something that's comforting, though. I do right. a lot of medicals on Thursdays, and a lot of the men who are over 50, so for, for the insurance industry, 50 yeah, is right. the age that they use. Right. 
And I have to admit that I am not met with a lot of resistance. So I, I believe the times have changed, are, are changing, changing, are changing. Yeah. And yeah. It, it surprises me when I offer it to them. I'm like, because they have the option in that setting. They can do one or the other. Right, right. And right. a lot of them, know, so, they know, so they know that if they choose the blood test, they don't have to do the rectal if they're squeamish. But a lot of them say, Doc, do I have to do? And I'm just like, I am really blown away sometimes. I'm like, you know, I, I thought I'd be met with more yo manuana, <laughs> but and that, and they that turn on their side. Doing this in a Mario because it's them the man that I want to reach. Yeah, and they're there because I do meet them still. I do meet. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. A, a, a gentleman who is doing insurance realize that you're gonna to have to do some tests. Right. But I'm talking about the guys at the party. Yeah. His dad has prostate cancer. His he knows this. Right. But him no one do it. And he's 45 and just having a good old time. Having Maybe a good old time. Yeah. Having some flow issues, but he yeah. not really get us done. Well, I'm gonna drink a whole palika last night still, you know. Are we good for that in our queen time? We can attach any kind of non we can attach anything to a medical uh, <laughs> thing. I heard why gas. Why I eat alone? So it's yeah. I'm not I'm saying we need to target. You see how they target girls from puberty? Yeah. When you reach age, check your breasts. We need to start saying to boys, listen to me. Because men, prostate scores will grow go up as you grow older. Right. So that is expected. But you need to have an awareness to be able to spot things that are, that are way out, that are not normal. And if you don't have that experience, you won't know. So, Thank and, you and for also breaking the silence ahead. in your group chat, because that's what you did there by the Father's Day post. I wanted so, to comment so, on that. You, this is how you broke decided. the silence, yeah. You know how many men in my complex said, oh, I did that surgery three years ago? Oh, so now you're finding out other people who actually have it done. They could have advised you. <laughs> okay, silence. But they didn't know. They didn't know you had it, so they couldn't advise you. Silence. <laughs> silence. Right. So it could go in both directions. Here you were thinking, well, I have it. And let me encourage these men to go do it. And then some of them were like, bro, I've done that. <laughs> and then no, them come and them check you and they may say, boy, what you did was very brave because I would not have known that. Right, right, right. This was my journey. This is how it worked. And those perspectives help you. Because remember, you know, after surgery, there are so many things happening. All right, diaper, no diaper, diaper, this, um, this your pad, the, the, the catheter, you understand me? Yeah. There are so many things that a journeyman. Only take. a journeyman would know, and, and yeah. not even the doctor. And you know what, doctors, as a doctor, I know this person personally. When you have patients that have, just like life, have long journeys, you don't want to bring them to the destination immediately because the sometimes the destination can be a little overwhelming. So, so when you have somebody going through something and you know the stages because you know the stages, you bring them to little, little bit. I'm not going to see you on day one and say, you know, okay. no, we're going to take this thing out. But you know what? You're going to have a diaper and a catheter. Nobody wants to hear that. Which is why. Mario, well, you need to know. But at the same time. You have this kind of a support network. Yeah. So when I was there, I was saying. So where's the prostate cancer support group? Where's the prostate cancer support group? There is a group called Brothers United. Okay. They are based at Cancer Society. But you see, I want somebody 
when I get a diagnosis, that is what I provide. So if right now, if anybody has prostate cancer, they can call me. That's why I right. put on social media. Right, I right, went right. went to a bar the other day and a friend said, oh, meet my friend, Quinta, you know, I did have prostate cancer. And the man said, what? And Mario, this guy did the surgery two years ago, and I have been able to help him. Right, because he's right. abroad, so he's now linked up with a urologist. You know, the gentleman now has to go and do radiation. Yeah. Just by dust, and me and him, and, and I can say, offering perspective. You understand? So it is so important. When I went to the radiation, well, let's, let's, so hmm, long story short. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor said, all right, Quinton, the surgery is good. Everything is going great. But you're going to have to do radiation. So I'm like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So when I go to do the radiation, um, they do a preliminary MRI. So when they do the MRI, I have four nodes. Lymph nodes. <laughs> well, I don't know what it means in a Mario boat. Right, but there are, there are nodes that are... Nodes close to the prostate area, though, right? So they're pelvic nodes. So it's not good. Not good. Can you, yeah, cancer can spread to surrounding lymph nodes. And you have four. You have four on an MRI. So you know it go. <laughs> so you have to do the radiation. Yes, but here's the joke now, Mario. Just because I get four nodes, I'm going to go to radiation. What these nodes are for? Where them come from? Where them connected to? How important are they, right? Da, da, da. What's going on? Something not going on. And remember, I just removed my prostate. So something not going on. Yeah. Long- the radiologist at the time says, well, you can do a biopsy. Oh, mm-hmm. You get something called a, PS, a PSME MRI. A PSME MRI does not. Well, the machine is here, but it's, it's not, not treating, though. It's still figuring, it's, getting more information, uh, right? Yeah. I will tell you about uh, It's not available in America either, Mario. Really? On, what do you call it? Trial. Oh, so she's, she's giving, you, giving, you, giving you new, 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 new technology, right? No, Mario, it's the standard of care in Germany from 2006. Yeah. Okay, it's not over here. <laughs> so now you understand how medical business works. Right, 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 right. So I call to try and get on a trial because you don't want to go radiate if you don't need to radiate. Because that now means no radiation, the thing no. Chemo. Chemo, right. I was going to say so. Right, it will be chemo. Mm-hmm. Oh, the one I said, yo, but this is no one like a spot now, man. This uh... So, I'm there saying, rotted. The cancer spread. You, you, you don't know what to think. Mario, by chance, I discovered that this machine, this PSMA MRI, and really what a PSMA MRI is, they inject you with a radioactive substance contrast, that, prostate, right. that mm-hmm. prostate cells will eat. It's prostate specific. It's prostate specific. I was fortunate. I discovered that it was in Germany. And my thing was, listen, if there is a thing that I can do to aid my treatment, if I have to sell me care and my house, because I didn't know what the cost was, I'm going to do it. 
So by chance, I have some good friends in Germany, and I said, tell me if they have this. And they say, oh, yeah. She said, I said, could I get two? When I could do one, she said, you can get an appointment Wednesday. Long story short, I got to Germany and did the test in uh, a week or less. Long story short. So you, you, so you, you paid for it? Yeah, man. Remember, you don't get visas so quickly, eh? So you, you, you can just imagine. And Sajikor paid for my insurance, paid for the, the procedure. Um, all you have to do is inform them before. I sent a letter to, to, to say, because if you had gone and done it before informing them. Right, they wouldn't they have covered it. Covered it. My godmother calls me up and she says, when you go to Germany? I said, so and so. She said, you buy the ticket yet? I said, no. She said, all right, may I buy you the ticket? So me reach out Germany, Bertrand. Boy, no, but Quinton, I have to stop you again. You see, this this is the part where <laughs> it's a whole nother thread in terms of what we're talking about. It reminded me of when I went to Berkeley, when I went to music school. Yeah, when right. you're determined to, to do something and the universe conspires, um, I remember people saying, how are you going to pay for Berkeley? And I said, I don't know, but I get an um, audition in Boston and I go in. Come and mm -hmm. send in a video because I was looking at people, yeah. So they can't yeah, see yeah, me yeah, and yeah. hear me, but yeah. nothing beats a face get to face. Vibe. Get the vibe, get the vibe, yes, get I agree. Vibe. So when I reach and I do it now, scholarships just opened up, like money money started to appear. Oh, and and I mean, this is now a German, and I know most Jamaicans probably would not go this length. And you were one, you had educated yourself, which is why you chose to do the test. And then you went. Mario, is life or death, you know? You heard how I said it, Mario. I was saying, if there is a test that I need to do, and it exists, this was my approach, and it exists in the world. I said to you, I'm going to do everything I can. When I can't do no more. What did, it, what did the test reveal? Huh. Three of the nodes were nothing. One of the nodes, they could not come to a conclusion. Indeterminate or whatever the word they use, yeah. So what happened was they saw a little uptake on a rib. No. <laughs> Prostate like forgot the bone. But brother, they might tell us, listen, the way how this thing is sensitive. You might be something else. Rib, it's going to show. So here's what happened when Quinton comes back home. Quinton replicates what you would have in a hospital. I go and I see five specialists. One of the beauty with our so-called failing health system is this. If you go into UA, KPH, and I'll give an example. My uncle broke a bone in his eye. Yeah. Christmas morning. I go up to UA and a doctor sees him. Then an ENT person sees him. Then another specialist sees him. And the hospital is all in house, yeah. And I'm like, are we the... Yeah, so that's how it works. Granted, the bed never works. So I made it up a whole long the bed for him. <laughs> but I have a problem with that because I could just... I was like saying, this is a health system that's not working? Damn! So what I did when I came home, I carried my results to Hudson Phillips, who had diagnosed me for every major illness that I have had. Right. So he's, he's, still, he's still your boy. You trust him. Yeah. Bad boy. Yeah. Bad boy. Just, yeah. 
And when you have that trust in somebody, you stick with them, yeah. No, man, when Hudson said jump, you just jump. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he used to be so naughty. He would be nice to my wife. Oh, you're so lovely. Me? What are you asking me? I don't, don't ask me nothing. Who are right, you again? Right, you exactly, know? exactly. And then I went to my urologist, Yakin. Right. I went to the head at Elite, a gentleman. Can't remember his name. Not a bad dude. Bad Radiologist. Bad dude. Um, the head I'm going to tell you who it is. Um, Shah. Bad dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy taught me something about vomit. You ever heard the term? <laughs> vomit. Oh, but yeah, not the acronym. Yeah. Right, the acronym and vomit. And this is for your listeners. He says you can do too much video imaging. And because you I can, yeah, he was yeah. because I mm-hmm. so much because they were recommending that I do another MRI, and he was like, "Yeah, don't overexpose yourself to that radiation." Yeah, he's like, Listen, I, "I don't see where a new MRI is going to give us any more information to make a decision." Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm in this business. I should just say, "Yeah, come now, come now, come now, pay your money and do it." He's like, mm. "Yeah," but he's like, mm. "And and I mean that was great." Then the guys at Radiation Oncology as well. And grieves the oncologists, and I mean the five guys. And I took, I got to each of them, because they're not necessarily talking to each other. No, they don't. So you have to kind of do a little work yourself. But but they but they're doing each other. They're doing what they need to do. Mm-hmm. So I made sure that I replicated that. And at the end of the day, I made the best decision. And they said, okay, we're going to just go ahead and radiate you the prostate bed, nodes, and watch you. So now I do. A prostate exam, PSA test every three months. Wow, three monthly, yeah. Watching it, we're watching it, we're watching it. So, but that whole, so this is where this is. No, you said that whole process. Mm-hmm. That process is really has taken me to here. I I think and, I for my next appointment tomorrow. I think. How are you feeling? I'm great. I mean. You feel, Great. I was, I mean, I, I'm glad that we did this video so I, I could see you. I've known you for years and you look well. I walk, my wife and I, we, were, we used to walk like every day. No, with online schooling, it has kind of changed that. Right. The prostate cancer journey saw me lose two weight sizes because I changed my diet. Because when we were doing the first, when we did the first test and we were going to do the second test, the second PSA exam, he was going to give me medication. And I said, you know, I'd rather not. Is there something I, that I could do that I wouldn't have to take this medicine? You know, because he was saying, usually when you have prostate, you can take this medicine that would arrest it and whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. He said, um, what is good for your heart is good for the prostate. Exercise, diet. At that time, my wife and I had gone Presbyterian. So it was kind of straight up our street. We just tightened the, the, the screw a little. We would exercise every morning. And I lost two two sizes, you know. So when I was XL, no, I can't wear L. You right, know? right, right, right. Never, never bad, never bad. You know, <laughs> my pants, I went down to, I can't wear 36, 38. Yeah. You know, when I was at 40, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I have a series. I have a series of questions for you. I'm going to call them kind of the final questions, but I, I want to know a few things. Um. I want to know your perspective on death, especially when being diagnosed with a cancer. Um, even though you're here at in the beginning, it's treatable. Just walk me through kind of the emotions that one has. And 
And are you thinking that you're going to die from the cancer or from the treatment? <laughs> That's the second question. I think the best way to answer that was the question I asked my surgeon, the probably the day before surgery or the, the visit before surgery. And I said, um, anybody ever died on the table? And he said, I've had two mortalities with my patients. He says, one of them did not do the post care. Well, didn't do the post care. And the second one had comorbidities. I guess we can use that, that word. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And, um, I think honesty is important. Remember, we all will die. I am going to do all that I can, especially when you're facing a medical reality. You know, it kind of tells you that, hey, you're on the clock. It makes it even more pronounced. Yeah, but remember, more present, you can, yeah. You can, you can dead, that's how I could do it. You know? Right, right, right. Okay, you, you could have easily died from something else. Yeah. As we so, said, like, say, one Leyland truck could have leaked it on. Yeah, yeah, one Leyland. I like the Leyland part there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, so the, the 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 perspective for me on death is that live because oh, from yes. God, you're most dead. You sound like me. I said that all the time. Death always reminds me to live, 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 yes. live hard, live, live presently, live in the moment. It makes you appreciate the simple things. Do I say to my wife lots of mornings when we walk? I say, "Wow, I can walk." We mark like a 5K. I can walk 5K and it's nothing. Yeah. And remember, you know, post-surgery, you know, <laughs> catheters, yeah. you know, even though with the side effects, I can walk, I can run with my son, I can do, I can live, I live. So it's, it's this, there's this cultural approach to illness because you let fear win. You can't let the fear win. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people don't do what they need to do because they are fearful. And guys, fear is a part of it. Of course you're going to be fearful. But embrace it and, 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 and kick it down and do, do what you have to do. Just live with it because if you don't do, that's the key, you know, Mario. You see, if you don't do something, you know, one of the things that I thought I should have shared with you, when I was at Campion, before I got my brain tumor, one of my good friends' mother had breast cancer. She did nothing about it. It got swollen. It imploded. She was dead in three months. Or was it three weeks? She was, and I was like, it was a question that I would use for any woman I was dating. What would you do if you had breast cancer? Right. I would always ask. Because it's a screening question. What yeah, kind of person you're dealing with? If you are going to fight it or if you're going to say Right. Are you a fighter? I, are you... Decide, if you decide, let's not even put it that way. I want to put it this way. I want to know if I can function with your choice. Because right. some people will choose and say, I am not doing it now. And that's okay. It's your well, you can do with that. You're alive, but I you can do it. with somebody now. And I'm going to say, let me try it ahead of it now to kind of save myself because Mario, that would kill me. Kill you, right? right. Before them. Me would have dead before them. I have a I have another question for you. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to know you let out this podcast saying 
I'm a father. We also know you're a husband. And so, so we're not disregarding your wonderful wife. But I know adult relationships are so very different from right. parental relationships. Right. Would you say that your will to fight even harder had to do with being a parent? Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, Wanting more time. Well, put it this way. The day I was going into surgery, my son doesn't did not talk to me about what was happening. We heard, he told one of his school friends, only one. And we heard by the by. It was the kind of relationship we had with the parent. Right. So the right. child, you know, uncle is going to do surgery. And Joseph didn't, he never spoke about it. Eh? But we knew he spoke to one of his friends because she then told her mother. But her mother was already one of the parents that we had told. And on the day of the surgery, he comes into my room and he says, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go. And I said, no, I'm going to be fine. I'll be fine. So he goes to school. They pick him up. Um, he doesn't see his mom or me that night. He stays with his aunt. But the first thing in the morning, I call him on WhatsApp. Hey, son, what's up? He was shocked. I said, what happened? Daddy, you're here. I said, yeah, I told you I'm going to be here. I said, I hear you're going to a spelling test. Have a good time. And I hear I'll see you in the evening later. I, I booked into um, one of those hospitals which allowed him to come and see me. And he came. And all he did was him look and him see me and touch me. And, him see me. and then he went and played with his cousins, his cousins, you know, and him go right. to him cousins. And... Something, something probably wasn't normal, but you were here and you were, you were functional. So yeah, 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 you know this thing on him foot and him that 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 is here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, man. Oh, I'm there. So, you know, you're in a pain, but you make sure you have that smile up. You know, you're up. So when you call him on WhatsApp, man, hey, what one, daddy? Say yeah, what, 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 what? Did you did you get to the bucket list stage? Or you or or you weren't in that frame of mind from the jump? I. My wife and I have been doing a lot of bucket list things with that little boy, you see? So, um, even pre-COVID, we, we, we do a lot of things like that. And we try and do things together as a family. Great you know? experiences. And yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, um, yes, you know, you want... You, it's, it might seem a cliche, but you want to live out your time fully. Yeah. You want to live out your time fully. And I say to people, any sickness that you have, don't make the sickness stop you from living your life fully, as full as you can. You know, fear is a part of it. Silence is a part of it. And I couldn't go without sharing this with you, Mario. Mm -hmm. Radiation is a different part of the treatment. And people don't realize how many people get radiation. There are only three places in Jamaica that do it. KPH. KPH, Joseph's, and I think radiation oncology. Right? When I went down there, I would see everybody. You see sickness? It's a great leveler. Wow. Great equalizer, um, boy. One day I go there and a guy says to me, what are you doing here? How old are you? I said, I am 49. I was 49 at the time. He says, but you're a baby. <laughs> I'm 81. Right. Right. He says, my son is older than you. I was asking to him, but 
what you doing here? And this is why I say sharing is so important and helping other persons who may have, have a disease that you have, that you have some perspective of, whether as wife or son or whatever, by awareness is important. We would sit there and they would call me teacher. And I would talk at the top of my voice. Well, you know, we kind of talk loud, eh? <laughs> and the men, we would start sharing our experiences. And I'll never forget this. Men would come and just start saying, so what happened with this? What happened with that? What happened with this? And I realized that it was an important part of the treatment. You see that sitting down, is sharing. Like Barbara bar talk, but in the yeah, waiting talking. room at the radiation place. In the waiting room at the radiation. And the people, never, the people them never trouble me. Boy, yeah. What you do when you come and your, your, your blood and a fool forgot to do the test? What you do when you drive and you need to use the bathroom and no bathroom is there? Mary, we, I, we become, we become strangely you know. open. You know, they become open in that space too. In that specific yeah, and, and, and I'll never forget one day a man, an older Chinese man just said, you know, I was never sick. And then one day they tell me, say, I have prostate cancer. So it, it was doing what I hoped it would do. Because people need to not only take out the cancer, yeah, you need to talk it out too. Yeah. Because you can take it out and it's still there in your psyche, you know. But you need to let it out. Get would you say out. that? Would you say that um, this is your purpose? And that and is I, that is my purpose now. Yeah. But I mean, you're still a teacher, though, so maybe teaching is your purpose. But no, well, there's that there's that overtone of advocacy, or or it's still teaching, eh? Yeah, man. I mean, Mario, maybe your purpose remember, is to teach. When I went back to work after the time had expired and first class teaching, and I said to the young men, young men. I don't know how long I'm going to be here because I'm supposed to start radiation. What I just did, probably about four months ago, three months ago, whatever time it was, prostate cancer surgery. And we spoke about it as young men. And the fellow said, sir, you know, nobody has ever spoken to me about that like that. And Mario, I think this is important. I think mothers, parents need to talk to their children about illnesses, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's a part, part of, of their awareness. Life. Yeah, it's a part of their awareness, yeah. If you are aware, you will me handle it better. And honestly, your brain tumor in an odd way forced <laughs> you into medical awareness at 14. And um at 14. when I was 12, my father had a heart attack and that forced me into granted he was a doctor at the time, but which even so. helped, but it forced <laughs> me into seeing it from a different lens. Because I was now visiting the bedside and i was a child i was a teenager i mean so interesting it has an impact on you you say mario it does have an impact on you because i started to exercise more i had figured out my cholesterol was high from that age like 12 so start, you know, you and i do. had started to do some things differently from and that, that time and it has so continued I, on yeah. here you go if a child is aware that my family has cancer right he won't be eating wendy's every day Right, the whole everything changes, you know, when you're going to start test, you know, when you're going to start check, you know, when you might probably develop it. It's the best thing for me to eat. Right. I mean, don't eat, you know, we're saying be aware that you can do better by the body you have been given so that you have a, 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 a body that lasts longer, that functions better, longer. Yeah, doesn't mean that something else might might not might not kill you, but at least you know 
with what you can control, you you do the best you can. You're, you're, you can you're doing your part. And I mean, that is what this is about. So I want the young men to be aware. Say, listen, hey, daddy, you go get your test. You're young. You're 40. You haven't gone. And boy, I'm mean, not thinking I'm going to do it tonight. Why, why, why? Yeah. There are so many stories of men, 44, stage four, prostate cancer. And he felt the needling, but he just said, Chuck. Ignored him. Chuck. And I mean, we, we just had, we lost Chadwick Boseman, and that's colon cancer. But again, it's another podcast, but it's the same, it's the same thing. But, and, and it's start usually at 45, but still, same. He so, might be a different case because he's a young, yeah, so, but, but still. Awareness, and you see, awareness. Chadwick, what I, when Chadwick passed, it, it was poignant for me because of my age right. and journey. You know, and my wife, when she saw it, she was like, Boy. Wow, yeah, she was, Boy, this could have been you, this could have been yeah. you in a different <laughs> maybe that's another podcast. It's like I say to people that my wife's journey, as you know, as my helpmate, I mean, experience is totally different from yours, too. I'm sure, yeah, yeah. but you see, she <laughs> it was critical. My, my urologist. He 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 sees her and he he just celebrates her every time because the way my treatment was, my wife was a significant part of it. Yeah. You know? I tell you a story, she went cause. When you <laughs> remove the catheter, they tell you bring a diaper because they don't know. Yeah, how incontinent it'll be. Right. <laughs> so here's a joke. You know that there are some men after the surgery who never regain continence. And I'm not even take you into the sexual function, can we really leave? We, if, oh, unless we speak about it. Unless we speak about it generally, we'd have to use your personal experience. <laughs> but, but we know that that's another big fear too, that you lose sexual function post-surgery. Well, I'll tell you about that. I mm -hmm. diaper the first day, and the first day I put time away, I say, um, is the diaper wet? I said, no. But me no know, me no know. She said, so yeah. tell me about it. I said, feel nice, man. She said, hmm. the second day I put on the diaper, she said, um, tell me about this diaper. Is the diaper wet? I said, me no think so. She said, the third day I take up the diaper, Mario. My wife just said, thank you. She said, go put on your brief. <laughs> she did die for you. <laughs> She undiapered you. She said, listen. You know, I get used to this diaper business. <laughs> you know. Oh, gosh. Getting a little once, 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 some man, twice a like, child, but not yet. <laughs> nah. That, eh. I did the catheter. I've done, nah. No, but you were okay, though. You didn't, you didn't have, you didn't, um, you could, you, your continence re Mario, returned. Mario, I used to travel with urinals in my car. And I mean. Just in case. Come on. No, no, no. When, when post-surgery, urinal had to be a part of my life. Yeah, man. Some days I want a urinal even now. <laughs> you need to go get that checked. Bro. Check no, 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 not medically. <laughs> Sorry, not medically. Just when, you're, just when you're urinal, driving and you feel like you want me. I, I, I mean, and when I shared with my brethren them at, at, at radiation, say it sells at the, the pharmacy for like $180. Them, so they were like, what? Yeah, these things are available. I mess about that now. Scrape up, man. Yeah, can't hold in there. You need something with a big mouth. <laughs> and another man said, Well, you know what me did do? Me just buy a 50 bag of plastic two pound bag, you know. 
people come up with things. But we're Jamaicans, you know that, right? And then, but look at it now. You're in a taxi and you want to pee. Well, you so, do. Taxes treatment, you know, Mario. And you know, when you're in med school, one of the biggest things is because we used to have a, a, a catheter clinic. The older men, them tie up them prostate bag pan them leg, you see. But you see, if you don't know about that life, you're not going to know about it till you see an right. old man dropping pants and you see how like, geniusly the catheter is tied up to the leg. <laughs> Listen, I mean, when these guys told me this, what the sexual function and right, sexual function, hit the sexual function, then I have two, so, like, two final questions. What, what, what men don't understand is that post prostate, your sexual function can be better. Why, Mario? Rarely hear that. Rarely hear it. First of all, first of all, as my brethren, when I shared it, I have some brethren, they are the wickedest brethren ever. They know themselves. You can get what they call the injection. So when I heard about this injection thing now, I said, I think I'll be squeamish. So you're my friend, don't worry, man. Your wife will do it for you. In fact, she will get this is an injection into the injection into the where? Penis. Into, into, the, into the penis. That returns it to post-prostate strength. Got you, got you, got you. And if that's not working, they can put, they can actually put a sheet in it. Right. So I say to gentlemen, listen to me, man. Don't make that stop you. Many things they can do to your penis medically. Right. And surgically. that That it would be even better. Than it yeah, was before. Before, right. So that is, I, I give them that, uh, that's the biggest joke I give them. Yeah, no, I do it. My pressure patients too, we talk about all the medication, I'm going to make them lose erection. I say, look here, when you have a stroke, you can't do nothing anyway. You know? So so you choose, you don't take the medication and get the stroke, or worry about the liquid side effect or the liquid ED, erectile dysfunction. And, 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 and so there are ways, yeah, there are many things you can do, yeah. And I tell them all the time, I said, it's not just... Campari, it's not just Malta, guys. <laughs> Agnum or whatever it is, it's not just there are things, there are doctors for that. Right. Quinton, how would you say, how would you, what would you say, how has this experience changed you in the biggest way? What's the biggest thing? Always. Give me maybe three at most or one at least. Biggest changes for you after this experience? I think my respect for medicine has always been high. I, I don't think it has changed. I, I have been fortunate that medicine is a funny thing, you know. Um, I think of medical practitioners as angels. Why? You know this thing where some people say, oh, I can't do certain things because of my faith and so on, so on, so on, so on. And I say, Anything that I have had done to me medically has been sanctioned by God. How could Professor Cross have learned how to remove that tumor and that I am now here talking to you? Who was guiding his hands? Because there's a time we are training. You're going, you can only train so much, you know. Right, you can't and predict what you can't predict what's going to happen in that moment. Yeah, and I'm saying that, yes, God is so immeasurably good. For me, that's one way that God, I see God. When I discovered this prostate cancer, and when I look at my surgeon's hands, they're smaller than mine. 
Yeah. The, and I look at his hands and I'm like, whoa. These persons for me are channels for the power of God. Because when they go and they save lives with their hands. So, so, so for me, that has been further strengthened. Mm -hmm. um, human kind, human family, humanity. Mario, when I was being wheeled into surgery, a nurse comes and she goes, do you believe in God? And I said, yes. She said, let's pray. And we prayed. And then she said, you know, I have breast cancer. I'm going to do the surgery next month. I see on your chart here you have cancer. So here's what. For your breakfast tomorrow, no tin stuff. So she crossed off all of the tin stuff. And she said, ease off all the tin stuff. The commoto surgery, the, the nurse says, okay, I'm going to show you how to bathe yourself. Human kindness, the security guard at the German embassy, when I go without an appointment seeking to speak to one of the counselors, you know, and he says, um, tell me your name, sir. Tell him my name. And he says, and he goes up and he says, come in, sir. Um, she says, she'll see you. And I end up talking to these men about prostate cancer awareness. You know, I said, guys, get tested. I said, you see me here? I just did the surgery. I'm like, I said, yeah. And the man said, so how it go? You know, humankind. And really, it's short for humankindness. You meet strangers. And you, that are, yeah, that are so impactful. It's like, it's like a little angel. Hold them not to come by you and say X. And help you in this moment, right? Somebody sent them. Yeah, and like, as someone sent you to those security guards, because maybe one of them needed to hear that. Uh, you know. So so, it's moving in all directions. You understand me? So, yeah. You know, and then with the family that I had, I had a brother, I never told, the one who I said, when you say you mash up my mates, and he, it, it, I always remember this story. He said to me, Quinton, you've told me this, and it mash up my mates, but here's it. What am I for do? And I said to him, you know, I told you not for you to do anything. I told you, one, for you to be aware. I told you, two, because I knew that my wife, your sister, needs your support now. Because the relationship that she has with them is outside of me, eh? Yeah. She needs support. And I said, that's why I tell you, I didn't tell you, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do a thing. I told you because you're a part of my inner circle. And I'm saying something like this is happening, I need to let X you know. But it's not about you necessarily doing anything. Because here's the joke. Sometimes you can't do a. Sometimes you can't do nothing. Can't do anything, yeah. Really, you, <laughs> when they, you know, yeah. The doctor can only do what he can do. The pastor can only do what he can do. You know. And that is a so, whole other thing too. So we, do, we <sighs> Queen, so, then in, in wrapping up, I I want to give you the opportunity to just give words of advice to all the men listening. We've, we've said it over and over throughout the podcast, but this is the closing. So I want you to, to just run a list of things that you want listeners and viewers, particularly the men and the support of the men to, to know around prostate cancer awareness. Go for it. <laughs> Guys, all, all I want to say, and um, I don't think prostate cancer is necessarily at this stage a male thing. Women, Say to your partners, hey, 
you need to get tested. Encourage them. Tell them, we'll hold your hands. Testing is knowing, yeah? So just take the blood test. Yeah. Just get tested because you need to know how to proceed. Mario can tell you. There are many men who know and do nothing about it. But look about you, who, if you knew, would have done something about it. You want yeah, to do that opportunity? Yeah. Just, just, just start. Just start. Just seek okay. help because there's a lot of doctors out there. Just find a doctor and go and check. Listen, man, just write the thing and you do the blood test and let him send it to a urologist. And I mean, call the Cancer Society if you would like to speak to anyone who has had prostate cancer. Because you, you might not be able to find somebody that will, you know, just give you a listening ear that can tell you their experience that will give you some perspective on yours. Because Mario, my urologist tells me, you know, the men don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, we don't talk. And why? I'm hoping that some people who hear this will say, you know something, I just need to go get tested. Yeah. Quinton, I thank you so much for being brave enough and bold enough to share your story and quite a story it is um you're 50 years old i will refer to you as our prostate cancer survivor and advocate father brother husband uh so much more entrepreneur performer um but, um i really appreciate this and i'm glad that you reached out to me to to, to suggest that we had the conversation i was fully open to it and this is the kind of truth i i like uh, this is personal to people and this is this is what we want to share so thanks again and if people want to find you to speak to you I if am. you have a space where you can be found yeah, i don't I, know if this is a consultation around but how can they find you i am on instagram quinton yard facebook quinton yard so i am easy to find and not many people have that name this so they have to find you yeah 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 you know i am easy to find you know um thank you mario because prostate cancer affects everybody it's no respecter of race creed ethnicity religion prostate cancer affects us all cancer affects us all so because we know that that exists we really need to up our awareness of it, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Thanks a million, Mario. Thank you. Thank you for being on Talk Truth. It was a pleasure. Talk Truth, brother. Yes, sir. Keep talking Truth. You just listened to episode number 43 of Talk Truth with Mario Evan. And we featured Mr. Quinton Yard, who so kindly shared his story and journey with prostate cancer. Please subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. Also follow us on social media. We are now rebranded as Talk Truth without the vowel. So that's T-L-K-T-R-T-H on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. So please follow us, like us, show us some love there. And you know, the comments are really, really, really always appreciated. If you'd like to email us, please email us at talktruthja at gmail.com or go to our website, talktruthja.com. This is Talk Truth with me, your host, Mario Evan, a place where your truth shall become your power. 
and set you free. See you next week.